Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast and become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows featuring guests sharing stories about growing up in a haunted house that was possessed by an evil presence, a nightmarish encounter with a UFO in the dead of night, and the financial horror stories from those who won the lottery and lived to regret it. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to hear these programs and many more truly thought-provoking shows from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. How'd you get interested in magic? Um, Well, it it was uh, really just something that fell into my lap a little bit uh, in in high school. uh, you know, we, we used to avoid study halls like the plague and, and go at least to the library. We could, you know, somewhat socialize. And there happened to be this, you know, odd, like, you know, semi-cheesy Time Life series book on, you know, popular, you know, superstition mm-hmm. and magic and lore and things like that. Um, and for lack of anything else to do, I started kind of going through them. Uh, and I was fascinated. Uh, that's that really kind of put the hook in me in, in figuring. All right, well, what else? What else is there out here? I mean, this is kind of a popular treatment of you know strange and weird events and things like that, and magical practices um, on the whole, like you know digging up mandrake roots and, and things like that. Um, and and that just kind of fascinated me. Uh, and so I started looking around at other regional local libraries uh, catalogs to see what I could find and. Um, when I got to college a, a, a couple of years later, um, you know, there, there was a, a more extensive library there. And even, even though it wasn't particularly a, a well-stocked occult library, there was maybe a couple dozen books that, that were tangential to the topic. And it just kind of blossomed from there as the, you know, the early to mid-90s started um, kind of a trend where these, these sort of works were more accessible, perhaps, than they ever were, had been in the past. You know, when people hear the word magic, they think of the abracadabra type. It's not that, is it? <laughs> no. Um, well, it, it, it's interesting because their 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 histories are somewhat intertwined. Um, if you go back to something like Reginald Scott's uh, The Discovery of Witchcraft, it is uh, a book of, of multiple purposes. Um, he was in, you know, in his initial intent, was really trying to refute uh, some of the witch hunting hysteria that was going on in his native England at the time. This was 1584. Um, but he also talks about uh, juggler's knacks, quote-unquote, and ledger domain and, and how people um, kind of fool the gullible public with a bunch of you know stage magic tricks, uh, what we call today. But he equally speaks to things that are, are more along the lines of, of, of magic, as we would think of it, uh, in in more of that, uh, you know, Western ceremonial tradition. Colin, uh, is it dangerous in, in, in the wrong uh, hands? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> any, I think that's probably true of a lot of things, you know. Um, you know, water is a, a dangerous chemical if inhaled in suitable quantities, right? Right. Um, the... <laughs> I think the real issue with magic, um, and, and there are a lot of different camps on this, I guess to, to answer that, you have to ask, um, how is it real, <laughs> right? Or is it real at all? Um, and for me, 
uh, I err on the side of kind of the psychological explanation um, as opposed to the, the more supernatural or preternatural um, explanations, which is to say there, are, there is one camp that believes that all of these you know, entities and powers are, are true, real, and external forces. Uh, where I was, I would say that these are true and real internal forces, which is say psychological ones. Uh, but even on that route, um, it's just as easy to become obsessed um, or to become, you know, psychologically unbalanced uh, when you're, you know, dealing with aspects of your psychology that you're unprepared to deal with or, or just um, not ready to. Yeah, and you became interested in Al- Alistair Crowley quite a bit, too. How did that happen? Um, that was an interesting um, connection, actually. I, I had a, a friend in uh, my high school years who we had, you know, fell out of touch. And I had started studying magic for, it was almost a decade at that point, uh, when we, we finally got back in touch. And lo and behold, we had this thing in common called magic that we had independently started studying. And... I had I knew who Crowley was. Um, I had encountered some of his work, um, and but knew him more by reputation uh, than by actual you know any of his actual work. So he he was the one who really kind of just <laughs> grabbed me by the shoulders and you know, metaphorically speaking and said, "You need to look at Crowley," um, and said, "Okay," um, and that's when I really started diving into. A lot of his his work. Um, he he is somewhat difficult to uh, approach at first. There's the, he wrote a lot, so you know where do I start, right? Um, and uh, it's it's doubly confounded by that. You really need to read a, a good amount of Crowley to start to understand Crowley himself in his works. What, was he evil? Was he evil? Um, what is evil? He man? got a, he had a bad reputation, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did, and he loved it. <laughs> you know, huh. just like bad boys today kind of love their bad boy reputation. Uh, for for me, Crowley's evil reputation was uh, a joke at the expense of of, of the general. Um, he, you know, he had the the uh, self appointed, I guess, moniker of the the wickedest man in the world, uh, which he had. If I recall, read in a newspaper about Kaiser Wilhelm and, and said, "No, that's me," uh, and just kind of took it on himself. But you know, as a, as a uh, bisexual man in, in post-Victorian England who uh, was preaching, you know, individual liberty and, and sexual freedom, to him, he probably was the Antichrist. Uh, that's that's a good point. But uh, did he? I mean, did he care about people? Yes, I, I think so very much, um, and, and I guess there's there's a, a capital P people and then <laughs> a lowercase. Um, I, I think as as many artists did, and I, I refer to him as such uh, purposely, uh, he often struggled in his, his interpersonal relationships. But his ultimate goal was to have everybody really be um, kind of free of the you know, social and, and, you know, religious uh, restrictions that have been placed on them uh, and truly find out who they were and go about doing that thing. Um, that was really the progress and, and goal of, of all of his work, uh, was that, that people would discover really who they truly were um, outside of the scope of 
uh, expectation. Now, Thelema was the philosophy that Crowley really discovered, didn't he, or created? Yes, um, and and so there's there's definitely references to um, Thelema that that predate Crowley, you know, as as an idea. Um, you know, uh, the the writer Francois Rabelais was was one who you noted a, a similar sentiment in in one of his works, but Thelema is is really Crowley's. I don't, not so much brainchild, but it evolved as, as his philosophy, and, and it comes from the Greek word will. That's what Thelema means. Uh, and it really focuses on that, that concept uh, to which I was just speaking, which is to say, find out what your uh, quote-unquote true will is. What is that thing that you were here, put on, put on this earth uh, to do in the scope of the time that you're given to do it? find out what that thing is, and then proceed to do it without hesitation. It, but it's more of a philosophy than a religion, or is it not? <laughs> well, uh, I think it's both. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I come from a, a personal background that wasn't heavily religious, um, but a lot of people uh, approach uh, the concept of religion um, kind of uh, in Two ways, right? Either it's a it, they they really kind of gelled with um, the religion they've been brought in to, uh, brought up with rather and, and continue that path, um, or they somewhat reject that and kind of seek something out. I think a lot of what we you know look at as as spiritual seekers uh, arises from um, rejecting the religion with which they were initially presented, and you know therefore they're they're looking for something more. Now, uh, Thelema as a religion, uh, Crowley notes uh, in in one of his works that uh, you can call it a religion if you will, um, but I fail to see what good you do so, and what you ha- you do in doing so, uh, and you've worked a rather quote stupid kind of mischief, um, which to me is saying you have you've brought along all the baggage of the term, so sure. Is it a religion? It is, and I and I truly believe that. Um, there are actually, you know, Crowley's uh, organization, uh, the OTO, which is, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but also has a, a fact a section called the EGC, the Ecclesia Gnostica Catholica, which is literally the religious arm <laughs> of the organization. So, is it a religion? Yes. Is it a philosophy? Also, yes. And. With all of this that's going on these days, how do you use it in your everyday life, Colin? Um, well, if you're if you're doing it right, yeah, you can't not use it. <laughs> I guess really, um, as an everyday practical application for Thelema, it's it's making sure that you're doing each and every minute of each and every day. Uh, not what you want necessarily, but what you will, and there's a huge difference. Um, what I want to do is uh, kind of fleeting and, and by the moment. What I will to do is my life's passion, and so going after that and making uh, the steps necessary to achieve those ends—that's that's the lima. Do you cast spells on people? No, you don't, I don't. do that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an easy one. But um, some people who dabble in magic do that, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Um, now, the efficacy thereof, uh, you know, is, is I'm going to leave to the, the individuals who, who do that 
um, sort of work. But uh, to me, the, the, the greatest spells we weave are on ourselves um, and, and kind of affecting a, a sense of personal change um, because we have the greatest impact on ourselves. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.